Good day, good day. Hello, hello. Welcome back, and I am glad to be back. Please ignore the noise in the background. Got some construction going on in the neighborhood. <laughs> I never understood why they don't do it at night. They uh, do it in the morning, where people are going to work and school and going for a jog. Instead of doing it after rush hour in the evening. Anyway, so in my last podcast, I talked about the acquaintance of mine who basically has an issue with women simply because he doesn't have one. And I talked about how I was in meditation one day and my intuition told me that he was mad at me for not giving him a chance. And that in combination with the things that he says about women brought me to the conclusion that he wants me to humble myself just so that he, in specific, can have access to me. So I brought him into a clubhouse room and he was under the impression that it was going to be a bashing session, but it wasn't. It was all love. It was good laughs and jokes. And it was also accountability for men and for women. It was the conversation that should have been had for millennials and going back that never happened. And after about two hours, he got off Clubhouse. And he sent me a text and he said he started to put this message in in the chat that um, men need to basically step their game up so that they can be in a relationship they need to do better. And I replied to him and said, you can put that in the chat. Everybody else puts their opinions in the chat. Then I thought to myself, there was a reason why he didn't put it in the chat. And there's a reason why he said it to me instead. Yes, he is more comfortable with speaking with me because I'm a familiar face Whereas the people in Clubhouse, he hadn't spoken to them at all. He knew none of them. That's the forefront of it. Behind the scenes, um, he was telling it to me for whatever reason he had. Right, there was something else going on. So I was saying to myself, you know, I'm going to ask him if I hurt his feelings by not giving him a chance. Because sometimes when he expresses his concerns and his angst about women, it seems like it's a gratuitous dig at me. 
And he says, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know what's going on. We're friends, and I'm perfectly fine with that. And so I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, there he goes again, responding instead of answering the question. I didn't ask him how he felt about our friendship. I asked him if I hurt his feelings. So I said to him, you've been repeating the same things about women for over a decade. Nothing had changed in your perspective. And I do hope that one day your perspective concerning women will change. And I do hope that you find the relationship that is right for you. And I wasn't being funny. I wasn't, I don't think I was being disrespectful. I was truly saying that from a place of love because you have to be an unhappy person to sit in the same damn spot for an entire decade. How the hell do you remember the same damn thing for a whole 10 years? How do you remember it? How do you still feel the same way about a thing for an entire 10 years? That tells me that you had no growth. The same spot that he was in when I met him is the same spot that he's in. And it's between 12 and 15 years later. It's the same thing. Why don't he feel some type of way about the, his own stagnation? I'm considering setting up an appointment with a, an astrologist and giving her a brief synopsis about him and letting him talk to her one-on-one. Since he seemed to like women, but bashed them so much. I can do one with a man but I think I'd have more success if it was a woman. Because men seem to feel like women should fix their problems. But really he needs some, he needs to face the things that he's been ignoring for damn near 20 years about himself. So he has this thing that he does where he likes to say, Oh, I don't, that doesn't apply to me, not me, but them, those men. They need to do this. They need to do that, but not me. So now I got a new name for him, and I'm going to call him Mr. Not Me. Your credit score is below 400, but you don't think that you need to do anything about that? You have a bad attitude and a terrible mindset, and you don't think that you need a therapist? You say the most harshest, brashest, rudest things with zero emotion. Zero. 
and you don't think that you're not emotionally unavailable? You're in your mid-50s with a roommate, and you don't think anything is wrong with that? You're in your mid-50s, and you don't even have a learner's permit or a passport, and you don't think anything is wrong with that? You want access to a certain type of woman, but you don't even have the very basics for yourself. And you don't think something is wrong with that? You don't qualify for what it is that you're looking for. But yet you're mad. And you don't want to do anything about it. You just want them to humble themselves. You want women to humble themselves and build with you. You want to stay right where you at because when you get to where you got to go, then the attitude of a woman changes and you don't want that. Is that your excuse for being a bum? Bill with me, queen. No. You know why? Because when men level up when it comes to their body and their finances, those same women that they was telling, build with me, queen, are not the ones that they marry. They go and they marry somebody else. You know why? Because when they lose weight and they have more money, they have access to a different bracket of women. Then you want women to come, men want women to come already made, everything already there. They don't want to, they don't want to build with her. Oh, I'm up here. And I see you walking up the steps slowly. I'm going to build with you. Come on, sis. No, they don't. They leave you right where the hell you at. Your spirituality has to be on point. Your finances, your credit, your debt, your income, your body, your mindset, your health. It got to already be done. So why should a woman build with anybody? Ain't nobody building a bear. The days of, and women I find to be a lot more compromising and understanding than men. Because there are some women who will work with a man. They will. They'll be faithful. They'll love him. They'll support him. But then they get the short end of the stick and it never ends in marriage. And all it takes is one time. And then that woman never does it again. Same thing with a man. All it takes is one time for a man's heart to get broken. And he's snapping the reality and touch, uh, start um, tapping into his own intuition after that. He's no longer gullible and naive. Oh, he's smart, smart. He's using them uh, little, little uh, intuitive abilities. Why do, want, why do men want women to do things that they would never do? And I learned that in my 20s. Men want women to do things that they would never do themselves. All because they don't have access and that's what they want. I've given this example a million times on this podcast with that woman that I watched. She wanted a particular type of man. And she did what she needed to do within herself first, which changed the access that she had to the type of man that she really wanted to be with. And it worked.
as she got married. Women have more ambition than men do. But men seem to blame women for their lack of ambition, their lack of drive, their lack of enthusiasm. Men want women to go get a therapist, but men don't think that they should get a therapist. You say, get a, you go to therapy session. Why? And it doesn't matter what you say the reason is, they're going to find a reason to combat what you're saying. So you might as well not say anything at all. But at the same time, what makes you think you're perfect? So for the women, when you suggest a therapy session or two with a man, a therapist, period, and they say, why? Your response is, are you perfect? That's why you should see a therapist. Because you're not perfect. So <clears throat> I asked my acquaintance question, you know, and, you know, he responded instead of answering the question. And when I told him, you know, I truly hope his perspective would change and, you know, I do wish the best for him. uh, He kind of threw that back at me and I knew that he was insulted by what I said. And it was a long synopsis to it, and I deleted it. And after I deleted it, I was like, damn it, because I could have read it for on the podcast. And people will understand better, have a clearer picture um, of what I'm talking about. But it was a long synopsis where he was throwing it back at me and debating at the same time. And I gave him back one word, and I should have gave him an emoji instead. I gave him back one word, and that one word was all right. So that he'd know I'm ignoring him, which I typically do. But I'm so tired of him. I've been tired of him for a while. And I'm making my exit from this acquaintance because it's a dead weight, to be honest with you. It's a dead weight. Anytime I have a conversation with him, it's it's a conversation of men against women, women against men. There's no togetherness. And so I said to him one day, um, this is very saddening. So what can you do to spread more love, you know, so that people can come together instead of there being division? And he didn't have no solution. He actually, and I'm quite sure he thought about it. He actually doesn't want to bring a solution. He wants to debate. He wants to fight. He wants to be combative. He wants to. What can I do against people that want to do something? I always say people find ways to do the things that they really want to do. And if they don't want to do something, they don't do it. Here's a prime example of that. So I said to him, have you ever, instead of telling this to me, have you ever considered creating a blog and blogging about this? Like, because people from the 50 United States or 51 United States can see that blog and that can actually inspire somebody into change. And that would bring togetherness instead of division. And he won't do it. 
That's because he wants to tell it to me. He doesn't want to do an act of service. He does not want to do alms. He does not want to be like a productive member of society. That That's not what he wants. So after pondering everything, I said, you know, this guy, he's, he's dead weak. And I'm glad that I never did consider him to date. I'm glad I never did. He's dead weak. He's not happy. And he is emotionally unavailable. And he won't do anything to get himself together so that the one thing that he wants in life, he could get. And I think that he's come to the conclusion that at his age, he'll never get what he wants. And the deflection isn't going to do anything but keep him in the same spot. There's zero accountability. Other men should take accountability, but not him. No, not Mr. Not me. Mm-mm. No. But then he says to me in a text, you, you're, one, you're a one-of-a-kind woman, and there isn't anyone like you. And I do hope that you find the relationship that's right for you. I said, oh, God, you're petty. Again, you're emotionally unavailable. <clears throat> you don't want me to know how you feel. And I'm asking you to connect on that level, and you refuse to. You don't want to. Then you regurgitate him what I said. You throw it back at me. But then if I don't tell him something that's going on in my life, he wonders, why not? And his opinion is, are, are, are things that bad in your life? No, nigga, it's because of what you do. Excuse me for using that N-word, y'all. I usually say ninja, but it's kind of fitting for him. So, ladies, you're listening to this. Just stay away from childish men like this. Know that they can be close to retirement age and still childish. You go back to the beginning of my podcast when I was going through my midlife crisis. You'll hear the stories about these women that I was crossing um, 60, 70, 80 years old and childish. I never in a million years would have thought anyone of that age would be childish. You're literally a senior citizen at 70 years old. You learned nothing about maturity. Nothing. Nothing at all. Men can be that way as well. And with that, I want to say this. The difference between a prophet and a psychic. So while I was washing my face this morning, um, you know, I talked to you guys about Uranus and how you'll hear that still small voice 
in your mind and it'll sound like your own voice, right? And if you're not paying attention, you'll miss the message. So while I was brushing my teeth, uh, Uranus had kicked in and I was hearing that still small voice. And it was telling me about the difference between um, a prophet and a psychic. And I don't know all of the different things about a psychic, but what I do know is that um, they have a different source in which they get their information from. What that source is, excuse me, I don't know. When I ask them, they don't know. So I'm like on this little journey trying to put that together in the natal chart, looking at the planet so that I can tell people you're not actually a psychic. You have the spirit of prophecy. So there's the spirit of prophecy. There's the gift of prophecy. And there's the office of a prophet. When it comes to the office of a prophet, the responsibility and accountability is completely different from the other two, the gift and the spirit of a prophet. It's also different from a psychic, okay? Now, me as a single woman, one of the things that God had taught me was when I'm interacting with another woman who is married, I am to respect her. I must respect her. And I didn't think that I was being disrespectful, um, but when I thought things through, I was like, oh, I see how that can come across as disrespectful. Then I had to search my heart and I was like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that was disrespectful. So let's just say my name is Karen and I'm married. And someone comes to me and they say, what's up, Kay? How you doing? That is disrespect because I'm a married woman. You can't call me Kay. You must call me Karen, right? So if you search your heart, you'll realize that, you, number one, you were way too comfortable. You had no honor. You were never taught any honor. And it is a form of disrespect. Like, do you really respect Kay? And you think about that. And so, I don't think that psychics have the same level of responsibility as the office of a prophet. I operate actually out of all five offices. But for the sake of this conversation, uh, I'm talking about the office of a prophet. So, throughout my life, I've been taught various different things. And respect and honor is one of the things. Servitude does not mean honor. To serve someone is to pretty much be like a butler to them. To honor someone that comes from within your heart. The only way you can honor someone is if you respect the person. You will find it easier to respect the per to respect a person based off of how they carry themselves. So if you see them carrying themselves a certain way 
over a certain period of time, you know that um, what they say and what they do can be trusted. And you can expect for them to make a mistake here and there. You also can expect for them to um, have enough integrity to say, this is the mistake that I made, this is the mistake. That shows you yet again that this person has integrity, they have morals, and they don't have a problem with saying that they're wrong, and they don't have a problem with apologizing. They're, they, when they speak or they act, it's not from a place of pride or ego. It comes from a genuine heart. And so this is the office of a prophet. When it comes to teaching and the office of a teacher, what you say you will be held accountable for. If you say you're going to do something, you need to be a man or a woman of your word and actually do it. If you lie, God will take care of you. He will deal with you because you are called to the office of a teacher. So when I tell you guys, God told me something, he told me something. When I say to you guys, these are the cryptocurrencies that he told me about. These are the cryptocurrencies that he told me about. Because when I speak, my words catch body and they manifest. It can negatively impact someone or it can positively impact someone. It can influence happiness. It can influence enthusiasm. It can cause a mindset reset. That's the office of a teacher. So what I say, I have to be mindful. Even in my thinking, I have to be mindful. With the office of a prophet. Because my words manifest. And they manifest quicker than someone else who was not called to the office of a teacher. How do you know you called to the office of the teacher? Of a teacher, excuse me. You look at your natal chart. You look at the planets in your second house and in your ninth house. That'll tell you. Look at the planets. Look at the degrees. Look at the astrology sign. And also look at the degree of the house that those planets are sitting in. Okay? That'll, that'll show you. That's one way. There's multiple ways to find a thing, but that right there is one way. So even in my thinking, I have to be mindful. I remember there was one day I was sitting down. It was a nice, beautiful day, too. And, like, I felt just this niceness in the atmosphere, just out in the world. And God was trying to get a blessing through to me. And I thought something. And immediately it canceled out. And let me rephrase that. Jesus was trying to get a blessing through to me. And I thought something that I canceled out. I canceled out the blessing. And he said, why did you do that? I had to think about why did I do that? That's because I was so, to me, that was because I was so used to thinking negatively all the time. And I was thinking negatively all the time. Because I was always going through something negative, And it was always something negative that was catching me off guard. So I automatically just go into defense. 
<clears throat> I remember another time, um, Jesus was telling me that the heavens was open. Um, that's another podcast as well, because I can teach you about discerning that. Um, the heavens was open. He was trying to get a um, blessing through to me, but he was showing me fish. No, he wasn't showing me fish. He was showing me a rainbow, which is the promises of God. The promises of God is a, a multitude of things that can be found throughout the Bible. Um, but what would apply to when it comes to melanated people? The promises of God is based off of the Abrahamic blessings. So if you want to know what are your promises from God, just go and take a look at the Abrahamic blessings, okay? That's a start. And so when, he saw, when I saw the rainbow, um, through premonition, I saw the rainbow, and I began to go into spiritual war. And I went automatically into spiritual war, number one, because he was training me on spiritual warfare um, and the different ways in which to do spiritual warfare. Sometimes you really have to get gangster with it. And then there's other times where you your warfare is in love. It's not always rah-rah. That was one thing. And then the second thing, that was around a time where they put the rainbow on the White House. And the Bible does say that, you know, same-sex relationships, um, um, you know, is a sin before God. It does say that. And so when I saw the rainbow, I thought it was something negative. And so I immediately went into warfare. Jesus said, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And I said, oh, you got to tell me. You have to tell me because I'm just going to go and fight. I canceled out my own blessing from thought. So for whatever reason, God is teaching me about mindset reset. Um, I'm, I'm taking it all in. Because what I don't want to do is cancel out my own blessing by speaking something and canceling it out or thinking something and canceling my own blessing out or through action, my act, how I respond to stimuli would cancel out my own blessing. I don't want to do that. So my responsibility as a teacher, the office of a teacher and the office of a prophet and my accountability from these offices are very, very different. I'm taught a different way from a psychic. We're not, we don't have the same accountabilities and responsibilities. Psychics, what I can say that I like about them is that they show love to complete strangers, to people that they know. They show love. And they're really good at showing love. Whereas the congregation, it's doom and gloom and chastisement and downing and suppression and repression, oppression, fear. It's all of that stuff. But those psychics, they see 
butterflies and glitter and love. It's all of that. That's what I do like about the psychics. Now, there are some false prophets. I will tell you that. I've seen false prophets repeat a psychic's premonition. And then on top of that, the premonition never came into fruition. So just as there's false prophets, there are fake psychics too. Stick around the person long enough to see if what they're talking about will manifest. Then you know you have someone authentic, whether it's a prophet or a teacher or a psychic or, or an evangelist or whatever it is. Just before you give your money, before you stick with them to glean and learn from them, don't attach yourself to nobody, but stick to them. Learn and glean. And when it's in your spirit that it's time for you to move on, move on. But when you see what they say come to pass over time, you know that you have somebody that's authentic. Now, with that being said, because I need to end this podcast and get moving with my day. This thing that's happening with the monkeypox, I'm going to go ahead and call it smallpox. In the natal chart, it is called smallpox, okay? This thing is going to spread far and wide and fast. There is a possibility that we could go back into another lockdown because I saw Aries at zero degrees, and zero degrees is starting over. New start, new beginning, okay? There is going to be some stuff coming up um, with tornadoes. Um, during hurricane season, let me say hurricane. It's going to be some stuff coming up with in hurricane season. Our fantastic gov is going to make things worse than what it really is with the whole AARP thing and playing with the clouds and all of that stuff. And they're going to kill some people off on purpose. Okay, a lot of people are going to die. It's going to be a complete disaster. This is what's in the natal chart. If you live along the Atlantic Ocean. You live close to the water, you are not safe. Okay, um, you need to take precautions. If you're gonna stay home, you have no place to go, you have no money. You need to take precautions and get the things that the uh, uh, um, doomsday prep people have been talking about for God knows how long. You already know. Okay. If you're going to leave, you need to let the person um, be aware of what I've just shared with you so that you can store up where you're going to be staying at, okay? During Scorpio season, we're going to have a massive cyber attack. This massive cyber attack that's going to happen has never been done before. It's never been seen before. It's going to go down in history, and it'll never be done again, all right? 2023, we're going to see a supernatural Wealth transfer. The wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the just, and the just will be receiving their money. Bitcoin is going to crash. When it crashes, God said that most people will be asleep when it happens. And he said it's going to crash fast. And as quick as the markets go down is as quick as it will go back up. When it goes back up, 
that's when the wealth transfer was, will happen. Now, will it happen, you know, in the same 24, 48, 72 hours? That I don't know. That is will be remain to be seen unless I find that in the chart. I know God ain't going to tell me because I asked him to tell me when is Bitcoin going to crash, going to crash, excuse me. And he said, uh, time is in his hands. No man knows time but him. <laughs> I love God. All right, you guys, I thank you for spending about 40 minutes with me. Um, don't forget to press the follow. Don't forget to press the follow button so that anytime I do a podcast, you will be notified. I'll talk to you soon. Shalom.